You know, it's, it's uh, very easy to get into a habit of wearing all these different masks, isn't it? Right? This is a mask. This is, this is a Batman mask. It's the best mask you could wear if you're going to wear a mask because it's Batman. And Batman is, is the greatest uh, superhero, in my opinion. You guys disagree over here? You, do you disagree, Joe? Who, who's the greatest in your mind? Oh, come on. That's generic. That's easy. <laughs> Batman doesn't have any powers, and yet look at all he does, right? So this is, what, what was that? Well, whatever. So, you know, and, and so we put on a mask, and if that doesn't work for us, or, or it doesn't uh, feel quite right, then, then we find another mask. And so, you know, we try that one out. Who's this one? Yeah, Spider-Man, right? All right. Hey, I, I, wonder, I wonder who Joel likes. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Spider-Man. You like, you like Spider-Man, right, Joel? It's a good, good choice. Good choice. Spider-Man's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, so, so we, we wear maybe a different kind of mask from what we started off wearing. And if that one doesn't work, I don't have another one, but we'll, we'll try another one, you know? So, so we get in this habit, if we're not careful, of just trying on all these different masks, one after another. We'll put on mask after mask after mask, uh, either intentionally, you know, we do that on purpose, um, either to, uh, to hide maybe bad choices that we made, you know, to mask our shame, possibly, um, or maybe we do it just because we have so many different roles that we play, you know, so many hats that we, we wear, that over time we can begin to stop focusing on our true identity, and rather what we do or what we were starts to define us, starts to define and, and shape our identity. Or, or we choose to base our identity on what culture and society says it should be. Any, in any of these ways, it's just putting on masks one after another. You know, I, I have the, the Batman and the Spider-Man mask up here. And, uh, you know, one thing that all superheroes have in common is that they all have these, these double identities, right? They all do. They all have these dual identities. And, and most of them, in an effort to preserve their real identity, to protect their true identity, they, they put on, you know, a mask of some sort or, or a costume, Right? Except Superman. No, he doesn't do that. He, he, he does the opposite. He, his, his real identity is Superman. And in Clark Kent, that's his alter ego. That's his second identity. That's his costume. And, uh, and man, what a clever one it is. I mean, put on some glasses. Come on. It's like, I'm Clark Kent. No, I'm Superman. Clark Kent. Superman, man of steel from Krypton. I'm fooling everyone. You know, I, I've just never figured it out. I mean, here's Lois Lane. She's like this amazing investigative reporter, right? She sits across from him every day. She's, they're partners. 
And it takes her years to figure out, Clark Kent's really Superman. Sorry, Joe, just not with it. But, you know, the other thing, the other thing that all the superheroes have in common is, is they all, at some point, they have a struggle with their, their multiple identities. Like, it, it wears on them. They, they end up having a lot of psychological trouble. You know, it's like, who am I really? I mean, am, am I Superman or am I Clark Kent? Am I really Batman or am I really Bruce Wayne? Am I Spider-Man or Peter Parker? And, and so there's just this battle that happens back and forth in their mind and, and throughout their life. They, they really struggle with it. Who am I really? Because having these different identities, it just it takes a toll on them. And they end up losing who they really are. And if we're not careful, church, if we're not careful, we can easily end up living our life the same way. We can get so mixed up in all these different identities, all these different roles we play, all the different masks that we put on for one reason or another, that eventually we'll, we'll not be sure of what our true identity is. And that's a problem. That's a problem. And so many Christians live their life that way. You know, from, from one day to the, deck, the next, they're just not quite sure who they really are. Or down the road, because of all these things that have happened and all the different things they take on and all the different identities they're trying to juggle, they lose sight of who they really are meant to be. Their true, main, real identity. But I want to tell you, as we begin this new year and as you are here um, in what is a new day today, that you don't have to be defined by your past. You don't have to be defined by your past and your pain, no matter what it is. No matter how strong that might be. No matter how real that might be. That does not have to define you. Isn't that good news? And you don't have to be defined by your hectic, stressful schedule. You know, all the the things you have to do, the pace of life, all the different responsibilities you have, you don't have to be defined by that. That's also good news, I think. And you don't have to be defined, church, by the emptiness of what drives the culture and society out there in the world. You don't have to be defined by that. You can and you need to, all of us, We can and need to be defined with our identity by something else entirely and something else exclusively. We need to be defined in our identity. Our identity needs to be defined by something else entirely from our past. Something else entirely from all of our responsibilities and our busyness. Something else entirely from all that society is telling us we have to be. We need to be defined by something else entirely and something else exclusively. And if you are God's child through Christ today then he is constantly calling you and constantly calling me to do exactly that. My friend, God is calling you right now to define your identity by who you are in Christ. By who you are in Christ and on what he has done for you, not on who you were or what you do. Let me say that again. 
God is calling you and he's calling me to define your identity by who you are in Christ and on what he has done for you. Not on who you were or on what you do. And that's a very, very important distinction. It's a very important calling to understand. Because so many of us can get so tied down to all that we were. You know, like we struggle with that every day, some of us. Because of the the darkness of our past, the level of our past, the intensity of our past. It, It haunts us sometimes, right? And so we have to deal with that. We have to struggle against it. And it is so easy to have all that we were, all that we did, all those things we chose that weren't right. It's easy for that to become our identity in the present or in the future. And that's what the enemy, a very real enemy that we have, Satan, that's what he loves to do. He loves to to cause us to question whether we were really forgiven. Really, I mean, could, could God... In all of his holiness, could he really just forgive all that you did? I mean, you know what you did. I mean, really? Could he really do that? Did he really do that? And, and you start to think, that's a good question. Could he? Did he? And you start wrestling again. And it starts wrapping its tendrils around you again. And before long, you're basing your identity in the present on what you were in the past. On what you were. Or, we get so wrapped up in all the responsibilities that are before us and all the different roles we play in life. Um, You know, mom, dad, husband, wife, business owner, employee, employer, teacher, student, we get so wrapped up in all these things that what we do, even good things, I'm not talking about bad things, I mean good things, necessary things, things just in everyday life, that we get so caught up in those things that we lose sight of who we really are in Christ and what we do ends up defining us. So when something happens in what we do, in our work, in our performance, that doesn't exactly go our way or, or is full of problems in some way or another, if our identity is tied to what we do and that goes south, what happens to our identity or our purpose? It gets jaded. It gets affected because we're tied to something rather than to someone. I am a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. But first and foremost, beyond all those things, I am a redeemed, justified son of the living God through Jesus Christ, the Son. That's what needs to define me. And that's true of every one of you who are in Christ. You may be husband, wife, mom, dad, child, teacher, student, whatever you you may be. If you're in Christ, you are first and foremost a follower of Christ and a child of the living God. So what we do needs to have that brought onto all that we do. Everything we are in Christ needs to come to bear on all that we do in our life. So as I play the the part or the role of being a dad and and a husband, and, and as I do the work of the ministry, 
Christ and my identity in him needs to come through all of that. So it means I love my family as one who is in Christ, with the power of Christ. It means I, I do the work of the ministry as one who is in Christ through the power of Christ. And that's what all of you are called to do as well. And if we would all embrace that as our identity, just, just imagine, just, just think about and picture how much different our lives would be. How much more full they would be. How much more passionate we would be. How much more consistent we would be if we embrace that truth. Well, my friend, that's what we're called to this morning and, and every morning. It's what God is constantly calling you to do if you are in Christ. He's calling you to define your identity by who you are in Christ alone, period. Not on what you were or on what you do, but on in Christ and what he has done for you. He's done it all. He's done everything necessary for you and for me to have a life in godliness, to have a life with meaning and purpose, to have an abundant life that will then extend on into eternity. He's done it all already. So we need to tie ourselves, anchor ourselves, root ourselves in that and let that be our identity. Well, the, the natural question with that, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you hear that, and, and you're probably saying, I agree, I agree. But, but the, the question that goes right after that, that immediately follows that is, okay, well, who am I really in Christ then? If that's true, if that's what God's calling me to, okay, great. But what's the answer to that? Who am I really in Christ then? And that makes sense to ask that. I mean, for us to really have our identity based in Christ and who we are in Christ, we need to ask that question and have that answered. Who are we really in Christ? And the Bible talks about that in a lot of different places. There's a lot of different answers to that. One of, one of the most clear and, and powerful and encouraging answers, I think, is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21, you have it there on your handout and it's going to be on the screen for you as well. And this is, this is one aspect of who you are in Christ, but I think it's one of the most powerful, one of the most profound. Here it is, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, means they have, they have come to him, they have admitted their need for him as the savior of their life, they have recognized they have no ability to save themselves, they look to Jesus and say, you are my only hope, I give you my life, please save me, be the Lord of my life. That means you're at that point in Christ, you're be, you've become part of him, and he part of you. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, look at this, he is a new creation. Isn't that awesome? That's good news right there. That's the gospel. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And, and, and here, here's something you need to know about that. As a new creation in Christ, that means you are loved and adopted by Almighty God. That's what is tied to you being a new creation in Christ. You're loved and adopted by Almighty God, the God of the universe. I mean, God's word tells us over and over and over. Romans tells us, Galatians tells us, Ephesians tells us that as a new creation in Christ, we are fully loved, fully accepted, 
fully wanted and fully adopted by God the Father. That's what it means to be a new creation in Christ. So let's keep reading. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, old things have passed away. And look, look, new things have come. Everything is from God. In other words, all that, all that is from God. Who reconciled us to himself. So that's another thing that you are in Christ. Not only are you a new creation, first of all, you're one that's been reconciled. You've been restored in your relationship to a perfect God. Sin separates all of us from birth on. But when we come to Christ through him, that bridge is repaired. That bridge is restored. That relationship is made intact again. So you're a new creation. You're one that has been reconciled to God. Verse 18, everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He's the only one that makes that possible. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So not only have we been made a new creation, not only have we been reconciled, then we get, we are given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been entrusted with that. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, notice a pattern here, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's grace. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. There it is again. Therefore, we, catch this, we are ambassadors for Christ. There's the other aspect of your identity in Christ. There's the other aspect of who you are in Christ. Your new creation You've been reconciled, you're a reconciler, you're an ambassador for Christ. Just as any ambassador of any world leader or government does, you go and you represent and you speak on behalf of the person or people that you are representing, right? That's what an ambassador does. He, you go and you, you plead the case for whoever you're representing. You go and you, you carry forth the agenda of the party you're representing, Right, We all understand what an ambassador is. The same is true for us as ambassadors for Christ. Look what the rest of the verse says. We are ambassadors for Christ, certain, no question, convinced, absolutely, certain that God, the Father, is appealing through us, through you, through me. He's appealing to others, through us. Look, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. It means if you're in Christ, not only have you been made new, and that relationship with the Father restored, not only have you been reconciled, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation, and God looks at you and says, now that you're my child, now that you're in my son, now I want you to be an ambassador of the message you received. <laughs> what a privilege. What an honor that we, feeble and weak and frail and full of sin still, that through us, it is as if Christ himself is speaking through us, come to me, come to me, be reconciled to me. And he doesn't shout from the heavens, my friend, he shouts through you, and he shouts through me. What a calling that we have. Verse 21 He made the one, that's Jesus, 
who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's the last aspect from this passage of who you are in Christ. Brother and sister in Christ, you are the very righteousness of God in and through Jesus. Let that sink in. You who completely are full of everything opposite of righteousness, me the same. In and of ourselves, we could not ever hope to have or maintain righteousness in and of ourselves. We could never hope to reach the standard of perfect holiness that God requires. No matter what we would, we would do or not do. Both doing good and, and avoiding evil never, ever could be enough to reach that standard. Perfection, holiness, righteousness that God requires. But instead of leaving us there and leaving us to our fate and leaving us to the the deserved result, which is hell, Jesus Christ came, the eternal, ever-righteous one. And he, who never, not only did he not sin, but never even knew the concept of sin, became sin for us. So that on the cross there was this incredible divine exchange. Where he got all of my sin and all of your sin, he got all of that in and of himself and he became sin in the sight of the Father. And all of the wrath and judgment and justice of Almighty God fell on his Son. So that in exchange, I would get his righteousness. You would get his righteousness. The very righteousness of the eternal Son of God. That that I would get that that I would be able to wrap myself up in it. And that when the Father looks at me, he no longer sees my unrighteousness because that was put on Christ and judged. But rather he would look at me and he would see the righteousness of his Son. That's the gospel. That's what happened to you if you were in Christ. That's your identity. But let's be honest. As amazing as these truths are, as powerful as this reality is, it is still just so easy to get distracted, isn't it? To start to forget who we really are and, and what we're really called to be. I mean, as, as incredible as that is, we can lose sight of it very, very quickly by basing our identity on, on our past or on what we do or on society and what it says. We can get so distracted. Um, you know, the movie uh, Hook, it's one of my favorite movies. So it's a modern classic. And uh, in the movie Hook, the main character played by Robin Williams, it's Peter Banning. Peter Banning. And Peter Banning is someone who has forgotten who he really is. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, he's really Peter Pan. Okay? So Peter Banning slash Peter Pan, he's forgotten who he is. And over and over and over in the movie, people are saying that. Uh, uh, Wendy says that at the beginning, and then when he, he actually goes to Never Never Land, and Hook doesn't understand why he's not flying away after they capture him, and Smee says, 
He's forgotten everything. And he has. He's totally forgotten his whole identity as Peter Pan. He's, he's forgotten all of his experience in Neverland. He's, he's completely consumed by his work and all his, his business deals. And the whole time, really, who he is is this amazing person with this amazing purpose on his life. And Christian, far too often in so many ways, we kind of forget who we are in Christ. We kind of forget what we have in Christ. We, we can forget all that we're called to be in him and for him. We can forget our purpose that has been given to us by God in and through Christ. The world around us and self and, and sin, if left unchecked, if we let them, will distract us and numb us and, and dull our spiritual senses. And they'll give us a, a kind of spiritual amnesia, just like happened in the movie Hook with Peter Pan. But you know, at the end of the movie, I love the ending of the movie. At the end of the movie, there's this little boy who is one of the lost boys. And he comes up, and Peter's on the ground, and He's, he's just totally worn out from, from training and trying to, trying to be someone who he sees that he can never be at this point. You know, he's just given up. He's discouraged. This little boy, one of the lost boys, comes up to him, and he starts touching Peter's face. And he starts moving his face around in all these different ways. And everybody's like, what, what's he doing? And he, he's, he's moving his face, and, and all of a sudden he says, Oh, there you are, Peter. Because he's found an expression on his face that is Peter, Peter Pan. And he calls all the other lost boys over. And they are, they're doing the same thing. They're trying to find what this one found. And they, they finally all see it. They see the face of Peter Pan. Long story short, as a result of that, that leads Peter to finally remembering who he is. And, and he embraces his true identity as Peter Pan. And he starts to actually have fun again. Like all the lost boys, and he flies and he fights Captain Hook and he saves his kids and saves Neverland. It's amazing. It's a great ending. Great movie. Well, my brothers and sisters, the good news is that the Holy Spirit is always, always ready to speak to us and to remind us of who we are in Christ. If we will let him. If we will let him. If we choose to listen to him. He will do that for us because we may forget, we may get distracted, but he never forgets. And he is never distracted. He knows what our real identity is in Christ. He knows what we're really called to be. And he will always, through grace and through his power, remind us and bring us back to where we should be, that true identity in Christ. Through the Spirit, through the Spirit, we too can always remember we can always embrace our true identity and purpose. Through the Holy Spirit, through him, we can remember as 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that in Jesus, we are a royal priesthood. And we can intercede to God on one another's behalf. I need that. You need that. You know, that, that means that we can actually, in Christ, men, husbands, fathers, listen, in Christ, we can and are called to be the priest of our home. 
where we intercede to God on behalf of our wife and our children, where we lead them spiritually closer to God, not farther away from Him. In Christ, that's possible, and only in Christ, and that's what we're called to be in Christ. That's possible through the Holy Spirit to remember that, to embrace that. Through Him, through the Holy Spirit, we can remember as Ephesians 2.10 tells us that because of Jesus, listen to this, we are made to be God's workmanship. The literal original Greek word that Paul uses there for workmanship literally means beautiful poem or work of art. (laughs) Really? Yes. That God, through Christ, the Father, looks at you and he fashions and he makes you and me in such a way in Christ that it's this beautiful, unique poem or this amazing work of art. That's what you are in Christ. But it's so easy to get distracted by all that the world tells you you are or all that the world tells you you're not or so distracted by all the different things you feel in your life, all the different activities and routines and habits. We can get distracted from those things. But through the Spirit, we can remember that. Through Him, through the Holy Spirit, we can fight discouragement and doubt. We can fight discontentment. Through him, we really can find childlike joy again, just like Peter did in the movie. Through him, we can fight sin and temptation. Through him, through the Holy Spirit, we can soar. We can remember who we really are, who we're called to be. Oh, Christian, oh, Christian, believe, believe, and remember what God says you are in Christ. And what he enables and calls you to be in and through him. Please, let let that define and direct your life. Every part of life. All the things you do. All the roles you have. Husband or wife. Parent or child or, or student. Pastor. Salesperson. Politician. Police officer. Doctor. Lawyer. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Be first and above all a new creation in Christ. Be first and above all a totally committed follower of Christ. View everything you do. View everything you do and everything you are through the lens of who and what you are in Christ. View everything you do and everything you are through the lens of who and what you are in Christ, and let that direct and shape all those other things. Let who and what you are in Christ shape your parenting. Let who and what you are in Christ shape and and define and direct the way you love your spouse. Let who and what you are in Christ define and shape and direct the way you treat your employees. Let who and and what you are in Christ define and shape and direct how you treat each other as fellow believers. Let who and what you are in Christ shape and define and direct the way you go out into the world and love them and reach them for Jesus Christ. Let everything you are and everything you do be viewed through the lens of who and what you are in Christ. Colossians 3, 1-3 gives us a very specific very direct command in this way. This is what we need to hear and remind ourselves of, the truth of this passage. Colossians 3, 1-3 says this, 
Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, since you have been raised to new life with Christ as one who is in Christ, set your sights, your focus, your attention, everything you look at, your, your your whole purpose, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think, think, choose to think intentionally about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why? Why are we called to do that? Verse 3. For you died to this life. You died to this life. And your real life, or put another way, your real true identity, your real self, is hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah is right, Cormie. That's exactly the response that should be on our lips. Because that means, my friend, that no matter what happens here on earth, no matter what happens in this life, good or bad, it doesn't change your identity or your reality or your eternity. Because your life, who you really are, is not anchored or tied to circumstance or situation. That's good news because those things change so rapidly. They come and they go. If you're in Christ, your real self, who you are, is tied and anchored to Christ himself. And then your your whole being is hidden with Christ in God. Where moth and rust don't corrupt, where thieves do not break in and steal. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So what does that mean for us, for you, for me? It means we need to stop wearing the masks. Let's leave those to the superheroes. huh? Let's stop trying to find different masks that fit. None of them ever will, not really, not fully. They're never going to be comfortable enough, or certainly they're not going to stay comfortable very long. And the answer is not to keep finding different masks or find the one that fits the, the best and keep looking for that. No, the answer for us is to put away the masks, to get rid of all those other identities that we chase after, and to choose to base our identity on one thing only, which is who and what we are in Christ, to base our identity on Him. Don't base your identity on what culture says you should be or the different roles you fill or who you were, the mistakes and failings that you had. No, base your identity on Christ and on what he did for you. And then, then, choose to go forward. Choose to go forward and live for him in response, which is absolutely the logical and fitting and really necessary thing to do in light of all that he is and in light of all that he's made us to go forward and live for him in response. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, He died, Jesus died for everyone so that, so that those who receive his new life found only in him will no longer live for themselves Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. That's for you and for me. 
As we remember and believe that Jesus, the perfect Son of God, became sin for us and gave us his righteousness, making us the very righteousness of God, giving us new life, restoring our relationship with the Father, giving us the ministry of reconciliation, making us ambassadors of the gospel, our only fitting response is that we live for him and not for ourselves. Base your identity on him, on all that he's enabled you to be, and go forward and live for him. Let's pray. It is so incredibly easy, so incredibly easy, to hear a message like this, to hear the truth of God's word that you did today, and to say, oh, that's great. Oh, that sounds so good. Oh, how, how, how wonderful. Oh, I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded of that. And that's all good. That's great. I, I hope that's your response. But here's the thing. It is still incredibly easy to go out these doors and to go back into your life and to forget all over again. To get distracted all over again. To get weighed down by this or that all over again. The only way to maintain this kind of of focus and, and to maintain who your identity really is, what it is in Christ, the only way to actually go forward and to see this continually to define you to continually be defined by who and what you are in Christ and nothing else, the only way that's going to happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the only way you're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit is through surrendering your life to Jesus Christ by receiving Him as your Savior and Lord personally. It's the only way it's going to happen. And maybe, just maybe, you're here today and you've never done that. Or, maybe, maybe you are a Christian, you're in Christ, but through various circumstances, through choices, through all kinds of different things, man, your identity has been lost and forgotten in in your mind and in your heart. And, And you've been basing your identity on everything but Christ. The good news is for both, you don't have to stay that way. Today, right now, this day can be the day where you give your life to Jesus Christ, where you commit yourself to him, where you receive him as the Savior and Lord of your life, where you get the new creation, you become a new person, you have new life in you, and you can go forward and claim all those promises we looked at today. It's possible right now, today. Or for those of you who are in Christ already, your salvation is secure, but your identity has been distracted and forgotten, and you feel like it's just lost. Well, it's it's not lost. It can absolutely be recovered. You absolutely today can remember everything you're meant to be. And there are people standing by right now. There's there's two people on on the back, my left, over there in our prayer room side. And there's two people standing over on the other side, by the piano side, in the back, in the back of our room, that are ready and eager to talk with you, to pray with you, to share scripture with you. If you would like to talk to someone personally, privately, 
If you'd like to be prayed for in some specific ways, please take advantage of that. I'm going to pray in a minute, and as I'm praying, I just invite you, go and find them on either side of our room in the back. They would love to minister to you today. I'm going to give you that opportunity as I pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the fact that it is living and active and powerful. I thank you, Father, that your word tells us exactly not what we want to hear. It doesn't do that all the time. Unless what we want to hear is in line with your heart and mind. But it will always tell us what we need to hear. Your word will always be the mirror where we can find the true reflection of ourself without anything coloring it or affecting it. I thank you that through your word, not only do we find out who we really are, but we find out who you really are and what you are. And as we see that, Father, you invite us to come, to come and to embrace you and all of your love and grace and glory. And we hear from you in your word, whatever you are, whatever you've been, you don't have to be defined that way. I sent my son to give you a new identity so that you can define yourself by him alone. Oh, Father, I pray that if anyone here has not yet come to Christ to find their real identity, a new identity that will never change, May today be that day. May right now you work in their heart and lead them by your spirit to repent of their sin and to turn to Christ for salvation. For those who have done that, but along the way have forgotten or been distracted, and their identity is just not rooted in Christ the way it should be, I pray the same. I pray that the Holy Spirit would work in their heart and their mind and their life and bring about the change that is necessary. Remind them of who they really are in Christ, of what they are in Christ, of what they're called to be. Do that now, I pray, by your work. Father, for all of us, as we go forward, as we go out into our life and out into the world, may we remember who we really are in Christ and what we're called to be. Thank you for the ability to know without a shadow of a doubt who we are, who you say we are, and who you've made us through your Son. And it's in his matchless name, the name of Jesus, that I pray these things. Amen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, therefore, stand up, ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God.